Was that Racer X, the Harbinger of Boom? No. Oh, okay. That, first From off... From my favorite movie, Speed Racer? First off, welcome to the show. What a great way to start off the episode and alienate any new listeners immediately wanting to turn... They're going to turn it off right away. Weed yeah. out the phonies. Weed out the weak. Yeah, but... Uh, Call the herd, if you will. That's my little... I, I kind of made a... Uh, explaining to Austin... Um, soundboard of some notable clips um oh, so uh, you, you said racer x which it's not from speed racer did you recognize the any Harbinger of those of boom. Do you yeah re- there was the hog calling contest from the iowa state fair right there was hooter right well there were two hog callers the guy yeah, with the corn freddy the guy with the corn hat and the, freddy. the guy who does the screaming with the very small sun with with the <clears throat> tiny sunglasses i think it's a big head or a large head. <coughs> and then you don't know what that... There's a middle... Here, there's another clip from that it's a screaming middle one. Or something. I want the club sandwich! I want the cold Mexican beer! I want a $10,000 a night Oh, oh, oh. This is... Uh, that's, um, from, that's from our good friend, uh, John Favreau, in um, Out for Justice. No. That's not, that's not Steven Seagal, Austin. Oh, it's not? No. Here, I'll oh, give it. It's, it's There's one Johnny more. Demo- it's Johnny Mnemonic. There you go. Jonathan yeah. Mnemonic, then. Episode three. <laughs> There's one more from him as well. I want my shirts laundered. <laughs> I want my shirts laundered. So, I just thought that would be fun. I might have that on hand. Who knows? I might, I might bring one of those up every once in a while. I would love that. Well, when you're least expecting it, you're going to hear a... You know? Yeah. Anyways, welcome to the show. It's me, your old pal, Peyton. And it's me, Racer X, the harbinger of boom. A.K.A. Austin. Austin Bennett. Not to spoil Speed Racer, but... That's me. Uh, anyways, Austin, how are, how are you? I'm great. I have a new kitten. So I've heard. And uh, he... Oh my god, what is my computer doing? Uh, what, no, is it on no, fire? No, no, she just wanted me to restart, and I said no. Yeah, we're busy. Tell her we're busy. Tell I her come her. back later. I told her to come. Tell her, tell her, uh, take take five. Try us again T- later. Maybe take a lap. Leave a message. Hit the showers. Yeah. Um, um, make like a donkey's dick and hit the trail. You know. Are they that long? Sure. Huh. Anyway. Um, so I got a kitten. Yeah. Tell us about that. Uh, he's tiny, and he's running around in this room and exploring everything and making some noise. And he is a Savannah, and for you cat enthusiasts, he's an F4 Savannah. Oh, really? Um, yeah, which means that he's... Category 4. Right, which yeah. Category 5 is the least feral, oh, okay. and F1 is the most feral, like the most percentage African serval. Uh-huh. And so he's... I guess that would put him at like seven or eight percent African serval or something he's, like that. So okay, so he's on he he's towards the 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 less feral side, but he's also higher on the hurricane scale. Yeah, very dangerous hurricane. He's already running around and hitting shit. The room is and is whipping with wind. Effectively, yeah. Water everywhere. I'm terrified. 
I'm like that that uh, Weather Channel clip where um the the anchor was like looking like he was fighting against the wind during a storm and then in the background you see like a couple of frat dudes just walking normally oh yeah i know the one that shit kills me uh that's cool though glad glad to hear his name is elijah about your cat very nice you should have named him after like a hurricane like hugo that would have been cute or i'm trying to think of other of the male hurricane names Robrand. I can think of several female ones, but all I'm getting is Hugo right now in terms of male ones. I don't know. None, nothing Rob coming to mind. Rem, Rem Rembrandt. Remember Hurricane Rembrandt? Hurricane. It got, got paint everywhere. Hurricane Hitchcock. There you go. Uh, that's good. What's you been up to? Uh, myriad of things, but uh, nothing too unusual. What do you got? Some change there? Sorry, is a pair of tweezers that I'm fidgeting with. He heard. Uh, anyway, that's my word. nothing out of the word. That's you, that's your word. I can't say that. <laughs> Only chefs can say that word. <laughs> you have to be a chef to say heard. That's our word. We took that word from you. <laughs> We've claimed that word. We've claimed that word. It's really, really uh, powerful how you guys took that word that you know it was pressed against chefs, and now you you made it its own thing. I just would like to update everyone that Elijah is currently drinking water, and it's very cute. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, good. Stay hydrated, cat. Hydrate or dehydrate, baby. That's what the they say, you know. Stay hydrated, cat. Yeah. Um. Yeah, n- nothing too exciting, I guess, on in my world. Uh, I did want to say, I I had a thought of a bit the other night. Yeah. Um, and I was like, ooh, this would be good for the the cast. Um, so, you know how the other night, um, I had, I had a text conversation with you about, uh, casinos and Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking like, <laughs> just a, this is like a bit or like a character, I guess like, you know, if I was in Vegas, I, I could do this bit where, and you know, any, any g- casino or city with casinos, but, but you know, let's say Vegas for lack of a better, you know, one. Uh, you go up to the blackjack table and when you sit down, you kind of just like look to your left and right and then lean forward to the dealer and go, so when's Jack Black in here? <laughs> or, or, or like, uh, like, uh, so where's Jack Black? I heard he was here. Like, Jack, Jack Black? He, so are Jack you, Black's here? Are you Jack Black? Is this Jack, where's Jack Black? That's a really good costume jack black jack black i'm glad i can play your card game back jack you think jack black's parents were a fan of blackjack and so that's why they named him jack they'd have to be right yeah i mean if my last name was black and i had a son i'd be like jack black jack jack black yeah of course i mean how could you not be they could have named those are very fun by the way they could have named him his first name, uh, Black, and his middle name, Jack, and then he could have been Black Jack. Black. Black. Ooh, I like the idea of someone having the first, the same first and last name, and their middle name is different. Yeah, that's it's nice. Isn't it? it uh, and that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. I also had this oh. other idea. Oh. Oh. This one's yeah. maybe a little risque, so buckle up. Oh, I'm uh, buckled. I'm going to get... Hopefully, I won't get uh, hashtag canceled for this. 
Okay, I was yeah, thinking really. so like as a as a person a rotund person, so to speak. Rotund. Uh I'm a I'm like a, the Jefferson Memorial Rotunda? No, I'm a large okay. person. Okay. With much fat on my bone. Hey, same. And so I definitely think at least in my opinion and what I've observed and also I've seen stuff online about how they've conducted studies but I can't claim to the you know veracity the uh validity validity yeah thank you of those but uh at least to me anyway on a personal level it definitely feels like societally uh i think attractive skinny people are treated uh probably overall just to say more positively than than overweight than overweight people pretty privileged and specifically in in terms yeah in terms to weight even if someone is skinny like unhealthy skinny like they're less they're more likely to be treated nice than a unhealthily overweight person is correct would you say like in general yeah for you know even if a lot of it's probably from the from the people doing it it's probably not even conscious it's a it's like a subconscious um, reaction. Like I've, I, one of the studies that I said, I, I can't tell you where I remember reading it or if the validity of it's accurate, but uh, it was like, you know, with attractive people, strangers are more likely to be trusting of them uh, sure. and stuff like that. So with that being the case, when women who previously were skinny but now are expecting mothers are pregnant. Um, thank you for that bass drum hit. Uh, <laughs> that was Elijah. He's oh. on the desk. Okay. <laughs> You're teaching him how to play the gong. Yeah, uh, I'm trying. Okay, but so 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 when a woman who was previously and I'm saying woman, I guess you know it could be a trans man cis as well, woman? cis woman. Yeah. Let's a just person who's able to get pregnant. Let's just say for for simplicity's sake. A cis woman who gets pregnant, who was previously skinny, but is now, of course, when you're pregnant, you have a big belly, baby belly. Heard of it. What if societally we just agreed for those nine months to treat that person like they were fat? Not even acknowledge the baby, just just treat them like they just gained a lot of weight really suddenly, oh just, to, just to just to like birth, just so they then... well just so they can understand the experience of being overweight. And then, like, they give birth and everyone acts like they lost a lot of weight. Yeah, good job. You did, you know, you really shed some pounds. Dude, fucking Clickhole, I think, has this fucking amazing article that I love that's, like, what we're talking about. That's, like, inspiring. This plus-size model is not ashamed of herself and is, you know, owning her size. But then she lost a lot of weight, which is also inspiring i don't know where to stand on this oh, no. and that's like the name of the article <laughs> oh, no. it's so fucking funny yeah that's good i always feel like those in the, on, on the same topic i always feel like the ads you know as as a larger person and specifically as you know being a trans woman and being you know what i guess what you could describe as plus size overweight whatever uh i always feel like those you know like articles or like descriptions of those ad campaigns are always like they they always feel a little bit like passive aggressive and judgmental where it's like wow this plus size model isn't ashamed that she's a fucking fat slob at all like they don't say that they say like wow she's not ashamed of herself at all look at look how great you know it's like 
everyone should be that confident, but it's like they're kind of like skirting around, but they're still like kind of implying that like you know, like she should be, but it's cool that she's not. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? That's definitely how I feel like Victoria's Secret's always approached it. And yeah. Now, like, not to like shill for a brand or anything, but American Eagle has always been pretty good about that, where they're like, they don't specifically mention the size of the models. They're just like, we don't retouch our models. Like, everybody uh-huh. is beautiful. Uh huh. And so, I, like, I like that, but then you get like Victoria's Secret, which, like, for years has been real, like, Victoria's Secret is like um, here at Victoria's Secret. Uh, hi, I'm lead designer uh, David Victorium Secretum. Uh, here at Victoria's Secret, we believe in diversity. We believe in a modern world where uh, people are represented. So that's why we're even here, Victoria's Secret. Even if you're an overweight hog woman, you can find underwear. Even if you're a manatee of a person, we've got something for you. And it's like, what the fuck? And it, Why are you yeah, that? I, I'm sitting there and it's just, okay, thanks, guys. Yeah, it's, thanks, I guess. I walk into the, I walk into the, to the Victoria's Secret and they like, you know, immediately like have a person with a sousaphone following me around while I'm shopping. Oh, God. So, I yeah. love that image. So, yeah, that, that's a, that was on my mind as well. That's a good thing to have on your mind. That I agree. All right. Well, let's let's get into the meat of it. Uh, and Austin, um, I'm excited to tell you about today's film. I, it, it really changed. It rocked my world when I watched it last night. And will you please tell the audience what I told you the film was? Yeah, it's 2008 Speed Racer. Uh, that was no. Wait, we, we already did that um, episode. Right, I'm sorry. I thought we were doing that. I one again. I did. I used the um the voice double for that one. So. Oh. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that later. Well. No, it's okay. Um, this movie is called Munchie. That's correct, and Austin, uh, I didn't tell you anything other than that it's called Munchie. And you and sent I- me a poster i sent you a poster for munchie can you describe the content of said poster (laughs) okay so there's the word munchie in a orange impact font um and there's bites taken out of the word munchie Mm. like on the sides like clearly teeth marks and then there's this creature that looks like um if a goblin wanted to be a greaser He's got tall, pointy ears. He's almost like a wolf man. Or, or a, I thought of this, a skin-colored bat. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Like a, like a, like a, a pale, a, pale a, flesh-toned A Caucasian bat. flesh-toned bat. Yeah. No, no fur, nothing, just, just, well, besides, he has hair, but like but human, he has, it's like human he has hair. Human, and he has human teeth because they're flat. Yeah, as a little and human And he's teeth. wearing a leather jacket with a white t-shirt underneath. Yeah. It does very, so, it's very greaser-esque. I'm scared. Um, so upon seeing this and upon me telling you Munchie, you know, this is the title and seeing this poster, 
um, do, did you, do you have any questions for me or hypotheses about Munchie? Or... Uh, wouldn't you believe it? I got none. 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 What's, <laughs> any off the top of your head? You could. <laughs> no, I'm totally fucking with you. Um, so first question is, I just want to know how many bites does it take? How many bites does a munchie how many, take? Yeah, how many do, bites and to take around it? On the uh, a munchie takes about the, the seven munch. bite. Okay. Seven munchies in a bite. Is munchie it's a, it's his a unit, nickname? It's a unit of measurement. Uh, okay. A munchie, seven munchies equals one full bite. Oh, it's like old English metric. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, like where it's like hog's head and they shit. They used to. They it was used to measure food for cooking. They oh say, yeah. How yeah. many you munchies they... of 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 salt need to go in this in this medieval bread? You know, I learned about that in culinary school in spaghetti class. Right. Um. Uh, so also, I want to know: Is Munchie just a nickname, or does the creature have a, a Christian name? Uh, good question. As will I will reiterate again when we go into the plot. It, it, when we first meet Munchie officially in the film, he does. Someone does ask his name, and Munchie replies, "Oh, you couldn't even begin to be able to understand or pronounce my name, but you can call me Munchie." So for all so for all intents and that. purposes, uh, his name is Munchie for this movie. But apparently, he has some older Eldritch, you know, unfathomable Lovecraftian name that we don't we can't even behold. Mm. Well, I'll be honest, that's moderately terrifying. Yeah. Um, another question I have is, does Munchie fuck? Oh. Because he looks like he fucks. Austin, we'll get into it, but not only does Munchie the character fuck, but Munchie the movie fucks. Oh, it fucks oh. hard. Oh, it fucks hard. For a I children's figured. film, it fucks. It's a children's film. It's mm. a children's movie, but mm. it fucks, Austin. See, I thought this was going to be kind of closer in the horror genre. Mm, you'd think, but it's a children's film. Okay, that's concerning. You'd think from the Munchie, but it's not. From looking at Munchie? Yeah, I thought, from, man, this is a continuation of Chucky. This is from, a weird spin-off. From an eyes gander at Munchie, you'd think horror, but no, children. I, I blinked once at this goblin wearing a, a leather jacket, and I thought for sure that I was going to shit my pants if I watched that movie. Now, you would, you were and under... And instead, I'm supposed to show it to my child? Yes. You were okay. under the impression Munchie was the like villain of a horror movie the attacker or a no superhero. not actually i just was kind of hamming it up for the bit but oh, gotcha. uh, i do think he looks terrifying yes no that's not understood maybe he looks friendly you should see him move or what they oh, or what no. they call movement it's is it as doesn't bad help as um as hamoti it's in not in terms of movement it's not as bad as hamoti it's a different altogether kind of uncanny cuz hamoti was like purely you know, like guy in a giant, barely movable rubber thing costume. Right, right. Uh, while Munchie is kind of like a uh, Chuck E. Cheese animatronic on speed. You know how people who do, you know, like it's like the 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 thing, you know, the symptom or I don't know what you'd call it, side effect of like people on speed or like cocaine is like you know they're like fidgety and like twitchy and stuff a bit. Right, right. Munchie is li- like like that, but of a Chuck E. Cheese animatronic. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm beginning to understand. Yeah. Um, now, another question I have is, who's famous in this? Anyone? Yes. 
Um, you want me to get into the cast now, or you want to finish your questions? Well, I guess that's part of the question, but... I will uh, say there are at least some minor uh, people of note in this film. And I guess before we get into that, when did it come out? It looks like the 80s. You'd think, and I actually thought it was the 80s until halfway through the movie I paused it at one point and I saw the the actual date. Um, it, but it's not the 80s. It's actually 1992. Which is basically the 80s. Basically, but, you know, it's technically not. But it, it, it definitely sure. feels like it still. Feels like the word, 80s word, word. in this film. Is that it? Yeah, that's all the questions. Cool. Good questions. Uh, Addressed with some things we'll definitely get into further once we delve into the depth of depths of Munchie. But here's some basic background. So I wasn't aware of this when I watched it because I just found Munchie like the poster for it on a list of like not even like it was just like on Letterbox like the movie like cataloging website. Someone had just made a list of tons of like bad movies and like Munchie was on there, but I didn't even read like the synopsis or anything. I just poster alone, not the one I sent you. There's another one and it involves a flying pizza as well. Um, Mm. based on that poster alone, I just like, you know, like watch listed Munchie. Um, so I wasn't aware of this until last night when I watched the film, but apparently Munchie is a sequel slash spinoff of a film called munchies but why would they make the plural a first one good question the thing is there is no like it is a sequel slash spinoff in name only there is nothing plot wise is the first munchies is not even referenced it is only a sequel in that the same person produced both of them and like they were released by the same people it's not the same director, nor same writers, none of the same cast. Uh, the plot's different. Like, Munchies sounds like an actual, like, more horror kind of, like, yeah. monsters, evil monster, gremlin knockoff. Um, right. You know, because there were a lot of those kind of gremlin knockoff movies um, after Gremlins came out. There's stuff like uh, Ghoulies, uh, Critters, of course, Munchies. Um but this is not that. As I said, this is a children's film. So it's really strange that this is considered a sequel, but it's completely unrelated to the film it's supposedly a sequel of. So you can basically pretend like it's its own movie, which it is. Uh, I want to note that it is produced by Roger Corman. and that? Roger Corman is kind of the most famous uh, kind of pioneer of the whole B-movie genre where he kind of pioneered the whole really cheap, quick turnaround uh, movies that, you know, he started out by selling to drive-ins and double feature theaters um, that would play as the second movie, the B movie, as opposed to the A movie, which would be the one everyone came to see. But um, so, you know, basically kind of the very first, like, low-budget, you know, a lot of genre stuff, horror and sci-fi and... Um, stuff like that he's kind of famous in that realm Um, a lot of directors of like note and acclaim got their start working for roger corman even directing for roger corman off the top of my head um francis ford coppola's first movie was roger corman movie um and of course 
Francis Ford Coppola went on to do, you know, Godfather and Captain EO eventually after Apocalypse Now and Godfather and Apocalypse Now. But, uh, uh, so, and I'm, there are tons of others I'm blanking on. John Carpenter, I believe, started out um, doing Roger Corman movies. Roger Corman himself directed some of them towards the beginning of the career, um, but he kind of moved into a production role later on. So this is very much, you know, I think Roger Corman still trying to cash in not only on Gremlins, uh, but also kind of like 90s. Uh, there was kind of like a thing in the 90s, uh, it seems, looking back. You know, I wasn't alive then, but there seems to be a lot of kids' movies from around then that are like kid and like, you know, weird creature and suit, sort of, I guess, sort of E.T. inspired. Um, and Munchie is one of those. So it's kind of dual E.T. and Gremlins inspired. Uh, knock okay. off. It was directed by Jim Wynorski. And anyone like me who's a fan of weird, bad movies probably knows Jim Wynorski. Because Austin, Jim Wynorski is quite the prolific director through from the 80s till now. Austin, Jim Wynorski has directed over 150 movies. Big deal, so have I. I doubt it. Okay. Name them. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. Okay. Uh, so Jim Wynorski, he is like the king of like quick, super quick production, super quick turnaround release, like, you know, bottom of the barrel Z grade movies. Um, a lot with the exception to Munchie and a handful of others are mostly very adult oriented movies. Uh, for instance, mm. kind of some of the ones he's most known for, uh, stuff related to the horror genre, uh, probably is most known for a movie is a movie called Chopping Mall that's about uh, robot <laughs> security robots in a mall that turn evil and attack people who snuck into the mall at night. Chopping Mall sounds like it'd be the name of a song from like an 80s punk band. I, I, doubt, I would, wouldn't be surprised if there isn't a band that named a song after the movie. Um, so that's kind of like a famous like B-horror movie from the 80s. He also directed Return of Swamp Thing, which was like licensed by DC adaptation of the Swamp Thing character, um, kind of in like a Creature from the Black Lagoon style um, monster movie sort of way. Um, okay, okay. He directed, speaking of Gremlins knockoffs, he directed the fourth Ghoulies movie, and Ghoulies is kind of one of the, you know, main Gremlins knockoffs that in the horror genre that people know of. He directed a movie called, a sequel to Deathstalker, Deathstalker 2. Deathstalker being kind of another uh, well-known, um, low-budget kind of Conan of the Barbarian, you know, sword and sorcery, you know, action rip uh, movie ripoff. And kind of in the more recent years, he's also gotten into... Um, the kind of like Sharknado-esque knockoff movies like oh, yeah? Cobra Gator and Dino Croc versus Super Gator. Oh, that's my favorite movie of all time. But I've saved the best for last, Austin, because also moving away from the 80s and 90s into the 2000s and on, in addition to those kind of Sharknado ripoffs, the other main subgenre of movies he has been made famous or infamous in fact probably a better word for are uh 
they straddle the line between what one could consider pornography or not. <laughs> They're definitely softcore <laughs> at the least. But softcore parody knockoffs of actual movies, of which I have a selection of titles. Would you like to hear them? Oh, please. Starting off with his first venture into the subgenre, we have the Bear Winch Project. No. Instead of the Blair Witch, you get it? And I believe there are about four or five sequels to that one that he made. We have Alabama Jones and the Busty Crusade. No. Which I'm sure you can figure out what that's a parody of. We have the, Oh, yeah, I can tell. We have the Witches of Breastwick, which is a parody of, of Witches of Eastwick. But now it is Breastwick. We have the Breastford Wives instead of the Stepford Wives. We have House on Hooter Hill. And Hooter. I'm, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not talking about... Hooter! I'm talking about Bajanga's Hooters with that one. Oh, Bodon Honkaroos. Yeah. Probably my favoritely named... Favoritely? Is, that's not a word. Probably I'm going to let it. I'll allow it. Probably Put my most favorite ice. one of these is next, the Da Vinci Coed. Get it? Oh my god. Which the poster for that one does feature a artist's rendition of a sexy Mona Lisa. I love that. No confirmation of if that's in the movie, but it's certainly on the poster. Next, we have Cleavage Field, which I'm assuming is a parody of Cloverfield, but I'm not 100% sure. I don't know what else it would be, though, so I'm going to go with Cloverfield parody on Cleavage Field. And then winding us down with the How last... do you do a sexy parody of Cloverfield? I get, well, I guess similar to the... Who bar- fucks the chameleon? The, the, the large monster? I don't know. I hope that's in there. I guess it's similar to Bear Winch Project, where it's another, you know, found footage, but mm. add in porn God, into I it. I love that. I love that so much. And then rounding out our selection, and these are just a selection. There are other ones, such as, I remember, oh, multiple movies in the series called Busty Cop, which I don't think is a direct parody of something, but rather, like, a general parody of, like, cop subgenre, but they're busty. Um, but rounding us out here, we have... Another very good one. I like this one a lot, too. The Devil Wears Nada. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good, right? Oh, that's fucking awesome. And this one's also pretty good as well. The Hills Have Thighs. Oh, fuck, yeah. I want to go to those hills. So those are just a, a selection of some of Jim Wynorski's artistic endeavors, both before and after Munchie. I'll be honest, this guy sounds like a genius. Uh, he's either a genius or, or a huge pervert. Or One of the two. Maybe both. Probably both. I think it usually goes hand in hand. That's if Hey, if the news is anything to believe. Anyway, hey. uh, so that's our director. Also, I believe, involved with writing, but I could be wrong on that. Um, in terms of our stars... Uh, these are the notable stars in Munchie. Playing the mother character, we have Lonnie Anderson, who was popular 
Um, she was a she was a main one of the main side characters on a sitcom called WKRP in Cincinnati, which was a sitcom about a radio station. WKRP. She notably was in a movie called Stoker Ace, which is significant because that movie stars Burt Reynolds. And Lonnie Anderson was Ooh. actually married to Burt Reynolds for, I believe, quite a long while, but I could be wrong on that. At least some amount of, of she was married to Burt Reynolds, so that's pretty I want to be friends. I want to be friends with Burt Reynolds. That's me too. Uh, I've been working on that for years. Next, and last for Lonnie Anderson, she's in, she plays a voice, a voice acting role in Don Bluth's All Dogs Go to Heaven. And keep that in mind, because we'll come back to All Dogs Go to Heaven in just a moment. And then next, playing the young, uh, the girl, the young crush of our main kid is actress Jennifer Love Hewitt, um, which she's kind of famous for starring in a lot of kind of teen romance and horror. Uh, she's in I Know What You Did Last Summer kind of late Ooh. in the early 2000s, um, late 90s, horror, teen romance, drama stuff. Um, more recent years, she's been on TV a lot, um, a lot of TV shows as a main character. I think she was on Criminal Minds for a while. Um, but this was actually her first debut acting role, was in Munchie. So much so that she wasn't even going by Jennifer Love Hewitt. She was simply going by Love Hewitt. Next, we have hmm. uh, Artie Johnson... And Artie Johnson's significant. He was actually kind of very influential in kind of not the early, early, but kind of the 60s to 70s period, uh, I, I believe anyway. I could be wrong on that, but I think it's so. Uh, of television, he was mainly known because he starred in not the main star, but he was one of the main people in a show called Laugh-In, which is really the show that kind of pioneered the TV sketch comedy. Wait, I've heard of Laugh-In. Yeah, it's, it kind of pioneered... I haven't seen it, but I, like, I, I'm vaguely aware of it and yeah, its significance. It, it's kind of like the, the grandfather of sketch comedy on TV. So, you know, progenitor of basically everything from SNL to Key and Peele kind of all traces their roots back to Laugh-In. Um, next we have... Um, just a small note, in a little non-speaking cameo, we have Angus Scrim, and that's significant because... Oh, I love someone with the name Angus. My, my, my fellow horror fans will know Angus Scrim because he plays the villain character, the Tall Man, in the Phantasm series, and he is kind of in this movie in a non-speaking role. The Tall Man... Uh, the tall man character in the Phantasm series is like this evil, like ridiculously tall, creepy guy that you learn is like an alien thing um, that kills people. Uh, but he like runs a funeral home, which is how he gets the bodies. And then Munchie, Ooh, in Munchie, he cameos in a non-speaking role in a funeral like daydream scene. He is there like as the funeral director. So that's like a weird like horror hmm. reference slash nod in Munchies or in Munchie. But I guess it makes sense considering that um, you know, Wynorski was obviously involved in the horror genre and probably knew his horror. And then last, maybe probably most significantly in terms of cast, as the voice of the titular Munchie himself, we have the American comedian legend of both film and TV, 
uh, Dom DeLuise. Uh, oh my God. And, of course, Dom DeLuise starred in such movies as um, Cannonball Run, uh, of course. He was in a number of Mel Brooks's movies, including Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs, and Robin Hood Men in Tights, as well as a, a multiple uh, well-regarded uh, voice acting um, credits, including some Don Bluth movies like Secret of Nim. Uh, referencing back to Lonnie Anderson, he, he's the main dog in All Dogs Go to Heaven, and he plays one of these main side characters in the classic mouse-based immigration film, An American Tale. <laughs> so those are the stars of this film. The main star kid of this movie, who I did not write down because he was in nothing significant the rest of his career. So oh, I didn't write yeah, it down. But that well, you know, he he can eat shit. Those are time. those are our notable names of Munchie, and of course our facts about our wonderful director Jim Wynorski. Austin, any thoughts? Plenty. And would you like to share them? <laughs> I'm with just the class? a little. Well, it's it's more just like overwhelmed. Yeah, it's a lot of. <laughs> That's a lot listen, of shit. A lot this went into Munchie. Even though it was filmed, I think I read on Wikipedia, it was filmed in like two and a half weeks, which is really fast, but it makes sense because it's Jim Wynorski. So yeah. they were one take in this thing, probably for a lot of it. He was like, like, good enough was the most commonly said yes. phrase on the set. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, but honestly, you know, a decent cast in terms of uh, notable people. Uh, Dom DeLuise as Munchie's voice, you know, very much a uh, sort of proto-Robin Williams in Aladdin uh, role, as we'll get into. <laughs> I believe Aladdin hadn't been out yet. What year did Aladdin come out? Aladdin. Uh, night, damn, tomb time, isn't it? Hold on. Aladdin, that's not what I want. The old one, not the stupid new one. You piece of shit. God, it's literally giving me, like, every Aladdin except the one I want. Okay, okay, let's see. This one. Disney no. Cartoon Aladdin. 1992. Okay, so Aladdin came out the same year as Munchie. Therefore, I don't know if it was influenced or it was a weird coincidence, but it, they both feature a magical character that is released from a containment device that can grant wishes and makes numerous jokes and puns and, like, uh... Uh, weird, um, like, pop culture references played by a notable comedian. I love this. But... I love this a lot. So, except he's a greaser bat. Yeah, and not a genie. Anyway, that's our munchy facts. You gotta get the munchy facts straight, as I, as I say. Anyway, though, are you ready to get into munchy? I'm ready to take a bite out of munchy, if you know what I'm saying. Good idea. Let's... Go ahead and munch on down to Munchie Town. Big Nabob, you ain't never had a friend, never had a friend, you ain't never had a friend, never had a friend, you ain't never had a friend. Munchie! You ain't never had a friend like Munchie. Alright, Austin, it is uh, Munchie. Hmm? Sorry, can I talk or are you going to cut me off? Mm hmm. Can I talk? Uh, uh, 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll replace you in a heartbeat. Sorry, Chef. Austin, it is munchy time. Let's get down to the munchy business, all right? I'm in the business of munchy. I got the need, the need for munchy. Does uh, Vin Diesel show up and talk about how good a family Munchie is? I wish he did, but unfortunately, I believe Vin Diesel was like 13 when this movie... I don't know. How old is Vin Diesel? He's going to be at least 75. He might have been like a a young adult when this came out, but he is not in it, unfortunately. So Munchie opens dramatically in the middle of a car chase. We have a man driving a pickup truck being pursued by a sheriff with his lights on uh, in a in a in a high stakes car chase and the man driving the pickup truck in his passenger seat has a large wooden crate that has green light glowing out of it and there seems Does the to crate have a label that says munchie on it there is no label on don't the open crate. will munch don't open munchie inside don't munchie open inside yeah uh, unfortunately, no. But we do hear, we do hear something seeming to talk from the box. Uh, so we have this car chase. The pickup truck is able to elude the cop car because he comes across an elderly couple that are driving around in their car, and they seem to be drunk because there is a brief shot where they're like, like, laughing and falling on each other while driving, and they're holding an empty bottle. So I, I, they're drunk. Uh, the truck oh, no. swerves out of the way. The cop doesn't, and they crash. Uh, who knows? You know, the fate of the elderly people were not shown. They could be dead. We just saw two elderly drunk people murdered within the first minute of our children's This movie already is like, hey, we're not playing around. This might be a children's film, but we're going to show you the, the facts of life. So uh, we get... This movie leans into your ear and says, hey, everyone dies at some point. Yeah, this movie tells you the hard truths. Uh, we cut to the next day. The truck is still driving if it has, as if it has been going all night. We are told that it is 1970. And the voice inside the wooden crate is continuing to talk. At this point, he's being asked to be let out of the crate. That he doesn't want to be in it anymore. Can you do an impression of the voice? Uh, you know, it's Dom DeLuise voice, so it's just mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, hey, can you let so, me out of this box? You know, oh, so what do I, I look really... like? What? No, go ahead. I was like, what do I look like to you? Uh, a pack lunch? Hey! <laughs> hey, I was, I would have really liked it if it was Gilbert Gottfried. No, it's Dom DeLuise. I was picturing Gilbert Gottfried's well, voice. Yeah, I knew it was Dom DeLuise. You already said that. I didn't, I, and I, I didn't say Gilbert Gottfried in the, I would have right, said him looking, if he was in the cast. Looking... I, I understand. Munchie? Yeah, yeah. I want him to talk like that. No, you gotta you gotta think of Munchie. He's 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 not he's more he's more uh he's more um let me what's the word I'm looking for? He he's more I don't know. He's not that though. Okay. He's gruffer. He's not gruff, but he's more like Grizzly. He's more like wisecracking than uh, he is yeah, like, yeah, like Mario. Strange and annoying. Mario Mario's famous quips. Mario, the character who famously only says his name and not much else. And Yahoo! Yeah, mostly nonverbal onomatopoeia. Shout out to last week's episode. Shout out to all the episodes. Go back and listen to them and share them with your friends. I know know my friend Megan started listening to ours today. 
Oh, good. Because did you make her listen to them? And like, is this the same Megan? Then did you make her no, listen not, in the car? No, not that Megan. Actually, a different Megan. Oh, okay. Well, I was hoping I forgot to follow up earlier on your assignment from last week to play them. Uh, I a okay, podcast so, in the car for the entirety of a trip. Right, I went to do that. Uh huh. And as soon as I pulled up the page, they both let out a howl that started cracking the windows in my car. And the one in the passenger seat jerked the wheel so that you careened off the road. It was terrifying, and I'll never try to show it to friends again. Kareen, careened Abdul Jabbar. <laughs> Racer X, the harbinger of boom. Yeah. Uh, where where were we on Munchies? Uh, Munchie, not Munchies. Gilbert um, Gottfried. Yeah, so... Uh, you Mario know. the wisecracking goblin thing. Right, right. So they, are, they pulled up... The, the 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 man in the truck drives past a sign reading, quote, Danger, bottomless pit ahead. Which, uh, hmm. are the, I don't think bottomless <laughs> pits, ex- like, I think they would figure out where well, the bottom was. I don't it's think It's just going to be really deep. Yeah, I don't think anything can be classified as bottomless. And as we'll see later on, like, it definitely wasn't bottomless or unless if well, it, i would argue that you, if you cut the bottom out of a can it's now bottomless but that's not a good thing yeah but the earth has a middle yep you ain't gonna go through it you'll end up in new zealand but as we'll get to later on it definitely wasn't bottomless unless it's like a portal and it made the crate go elsewhere because when it is found later on it's definitely not in a bottomless pit mm. anyway the crate is thrown in the bottomless pit, much to Munchie, uh, spoiler, who is inside, dismay, we hear calling out, upset. We cut to a title sequence, you know, credit sequence, which is just set to the background of, like, 20 or 25 of the little, like, toy wind-up chattering teeth oh, on nice. a, like, table and black backdrop. Like, that's all. It's just, like, a, a shot of that for the entire, like, two-minute duration of the credits. It's just these chattering teeth going. And that's it as we get our title and cast. That's and all of us when we're, like, in suspense for what this movie is about to be. We're really biting our nails because we want to know about Munchie. But we jump to present day, which at first I thought was the 80s, but I wrote scratch that out and clarified that it is the 90s. All it says on the movie is present day. Um, and the, our, our main character kid, he's sitting in class and he's kind of creepily staring at his crush. She stands up to answer a math question. When she sits back down, our character just like stares at her for entirely too long. Like she makes eye contact with him and smiles like nicely. And then he just continues to look at her for Mm. like five seconds afterwards, which then, um, we find out his name is, is, is it, at first I thought it was Gabe. But apparent, but I've quickly realized that it's Gage with a G. Oh, I've met someone named Gage. Well, but it's just strange for me because this is like a like ten year old boy, and the name Gage, I only like you know, I the only like when I hear the name Gage, I'm imagining like a, a you know, like a a thirty year old guy with like a white guy with dreadlocks. See, the Gage that I met uh, was in middle school orchestra. He came and played. He was like a new kid, dear, like halfway through the school year, and he played bass and he was bad at it. Oh well, that's funny that you say that he's a new kid. We'll get into that in a minute, but funny mm-hmm. connection. 
Anyway, while staring at his crush creepily, Gage has a little daydream where he's like winning class president and getting an award, and his crush gives him hands him the award. But uh, you know, he's then brought back to reality by the teacher who tries to ask him a math oh, question. Oh, there goes gravity. Yeah, but uh, his teacher asks him a question. The bell rings, and mm-hmm. um, we find out via the teacher who's like, "You're not doing well. You haven't turned in your homework in three days." And she, we find out that Grabe is a transfer student who's having trouble in school. And he's having trouble making friends. Um, the way the teacher phrases it, though, is like she's at first she's like, Gabe, I know it's been hard and that you're a transfer student. Uh, for some reason in my head, I thought she was going to say transgender student, like <laughs> as if a 1992 children's movie called Munchie was going to tackle that topic. But is even going to know the word. Yeah. But uh, let me also point out, Austin, uh, that uh, the teacher is pretty hot. Like, not sexualized. Hot for but, teacher. But she is, she's quite attractive. And that's starting a theme that runs throughout this film, Austin, that every adult woman in the film Munchie is an absolute smoke show. And I'm not exaggerating. Every woman in this movie is incredibly hot, some to a, like, some and some like directly like in a sexual way, as we'll get into. So they're bombshells, huh? Yeah, and I mean, looking at Jim Wynorski's filmography, it's not too much of a stretch to see that he kind of has a uh, interest in in women, especially those of the large breasted variety. Of course, of course. But anyway, we find out Gage is you know having trouble in school. He while at lunch, he tries to go sit at the popular kids table because his crush is there and there's an open seat however as you do yeah but when he sits down the his do they all stand up immediately no his two bullies which are the preppy kid and like one of the jock kids they uh bully him and the jock actually takes gage's lunch tray and throws it across the room happening to impact and hit the principal however apparently the principal doesn't see the fact that the jock threw it and simply asked whose tray it was. And so Gage gets in trouble for it, even though he had nothing to do with it and he's given detention. <sighs> but before that, in the scene where the principal calls out, you know, who's it, who is, who's through that. And, you know, Gage gets called out by the bully. Um, as Gage is walking towards the, um, principal like very slowly across the cafeteria we get these really cool like actually little creative clever joke um like cutaway shots where like as gage is walking towards the principal instead of it being the principal he sees like a vision of the principal as like different uh executioner type characters like the first one he sees like the principal's like a cowboy and there's a cactus and he has like a noose uh and then next the uh the principal is like a like a british barrister judge with like the wig and he has like a a hooded executioner behind him nice i was hoping there'd be a hooded executioner um and then like right like when the teacher is like uh you know i'm giving you detention and all this and if you get in trouble again, you know what that means. And Gage has, a, has like, another momentary daydream where he envisions the principal as, like, a Revolutionary War-era British general who, who, who signals the firing squad to shoot Gage, who's tied up at a tree. Oh but then, then he comes back to reality, and the, uh, the principal says, um, you know, that'll mean you'll be suspended. Um, anyway... 
Gage heads home. He's all sad. Uh, across the street from his house, there's an explosion, like a full-on practical effects fire explosion out of the garage across the street, which he runs over, uh, and we find out he's friends with the eccentric uh, professor across the street who's like a, like, kind of, I don't, I, I guess he's supposed to kind of be like, you know, like Yiddish kind of accent, like German accent. Sure, uh, like Pennsylvania Dutch. No, like like a like you know like European, um, mm-hmm. like Yiddish, like old man, like you know kooky professor type thing. Sure, sure. Um, and he's like been work. He's working on this Jeep in his uh, garage that he like has trouble getting with working. And apparently, he's kind of like an eccentric professor, at the local university in like history and archaeology. Um, and he's waiting on to see if he gets a grant. But across the street, um. Gage's mother and her boyfriend arrive home and the professor points out how the boyfriend is apparently like a doctor at the university and we never really find out more all the all the all the professor says is oh yeah that 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 uh Elliot he 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 likes injecting animals with cancer cells and then cutting them open to see what killed them which, like, I guess that means he's, like, a researcher and he uses animal subjects. But, like, the way it's described and never, like, fully addressed makes it just sound like his job at the university is just to, like, brutally killing animals. killing animals. In, like, a really slow and painful way. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Gage heads across the street where his mom and the doctor boyfriend are, are taking groceries inside. And the boyfriend, he, you know... Him and Gage obviously have, like, a contentious relationship. Gage had mentioned to the professor how his dad's new family and stuff like that, so the dad's out of the picture now. The, the, uh, the boyfriend really wants Gage to try out for football, even though Gage has no interest in it. Um, the boy, when Gage brings up, like, his dad, the um, boyfriend says, um, quote, this is quoting, he just doesn't want you or your mother. So, yeah, um, off the bat, bad relationship. At this moment, I would like to address Austin that Gage's mother in this film is the number one hottest woman out of all of the hot women in this film. Gage's Mm. mother is, like, full-on, like, 90s Pamela Anderson hot. Gage's mom. And there are multiple, like in this scene, she's wearing like a really short, tight skirt and heels. And like, you can tell she has cleavage, but we'll get into the cleavage later on. Oh, do not worry. Uh, But she's, you know, she's got like the big, like, uh, you know, like she's got like the, you know, she's got like the work. Mm -hmm. She's got like the Hollywood face with all the plastic surgery and the big lips. Uh, You know, she's got the works. She's a, she's she's, a Barbie girl. She's a smoke show. Uh, Bombshell. And the, the boyfriend, he's kind of like, he's in, in this scene anyway, he's in like a track suit and he's got like a chain and he's got glasses and like a mustache. He's kind of your really like, Russian. well, he's kind of like your prototypical, like asshole boyfriend kind of thing. Sure. Um, and so him and him and, you know, Gage are obviously contentious. Uh, Gage calls the boyfriend a creep because the boyfriend is like, I'm going to propose to your mom tomorrow night when we go on our date. Um, and Gage calls him a creep. Then when, when the boyfriend makes, like, kisses the mom when she comes back out, he, like, makes eye contact with Gage while he's doing it, which is, like, uncomfortable. 
Hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Gage kind of like wanders off, like walking down the street because he doesn't want to be at home because Elliot oh, the. God. Sorry, I just bumped the desk. Okay, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't want to be home because um, the boyfriend's there. And he keeps making eye contact while kissing his Yeah, mom. and he's really making him uncomfortable. So I think uh, it's really entertaining to leave my eyes fully open when I kiss someone. Oh, that's good. I like that. Good and bit. I just like to stare at their eyes. And wait and till like, they see if they notice. Yeah, like or even like, like you're like mid-kiss, right? It's like a mm-hmm. good one. And then you just like stop, but you're still pushed up against them, and you just wait for them to open their eyes to check what's wrong. Gotcha. And yeah. now you're the dominant... No, I like it. I like it. Do you? It's good. Good. Um. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so Gage is kind of sadly walking around like the neighborhood. Is out. the song from Charlie Brown playing? It's like dun, 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 no, but it would dun, be apropos. Dun, 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 and, and Gage is espousing some really dark shit here. Specifically, he says, "Someday I'll be dead, and then they'll all be sorry." Oh, so he's an incel. Uh, well, which leads into this vision, another daydream vision he has, where he's literally dead in a coffin, and it's his funeral. But he's not like an adult. It's like him, like as a child, dead in the coffin, as if he died right then. Um, and like all his, like the bullies come up, and they're like, they're like apologizing for like bullying him. And the principal is like, you know, I'm sorry I gave you detention. And you know, the boyfriend is like being arrested by the police. Um, uh, and then the mom, you know, is sad and stuff. Um, this is the scene with Angus Scrim as the undertaker in it. Weird horror reference. Um, anyway, uh, he, um, yeah, the, 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 um, the, the stepdad, he's like being, pulled away by police and he say he says i've been arrested for bigamy your mom recognized me on america's most wanted um anyway gage kind of snaps out of his daydream about his funeral his child funeral um uh because he comes across a like abandoned mine shaft that has like you know boarded up mine shaft with like nice so you know he takes off some of the boards he starts walking into the mine, you know, he says, oh, I wish I was dead, you know, again, um, to which a voice from a crate responds, oh, you know, something wisecrack about like, you know, geez, kid, you sound like you're in a real blue mood or something like that. Um, so this voice, of course, coming from a crate, we find out, uh, you know, he can't he just says, call me Munchie uh, from the crate. Um, and so Gage decides to go over, open the crate. Um, to which Munchie, uh, via, with, with, with sparklers, he kind of rises out of the crate while singing, um, the song Telephone, you know, the, hello, yeah. my baby, hello, my honey, that one, he starts. So this is giving me the real, real, the mask vibes. So it, it has some mask vibes. I, yeah, I would say that's accurate. But again, I want to say this is a, an abandoned mine shaft, not a bottomless pit. So I'm again, wondering, you know. What, how did it I get? I think what? really it was just an issue of the nomenclature. But yeah, but like they could have easily just shown the guy throwing the crate 
into the you know putting it in the mine and boarding up the mine but i mean there's been plenty of times when i thought something was a bottomless pit but it turned out to just be a a mine shaft and like the way he throws it in that opening scene into the bottomless pit he throws it and then they use like a sound effect as if it's falling straight down but this mine is literally like you know parallel with like the ground it's like you know Mm. not not like a hole it's a a, bounce a a little bit you know it's like a it's like tunnel um anyway though you know Munchie kind of rises out of the crate singing, but, uh, you know, reasonably enough, this freaks Gage the fuck out and he runs away. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, I, I run. So Gage runs home and he's like, mom, I opened this crate that I found walking around. She's all mad because he's late. You know, he's like been missing, you know, he went off and missed dinner and stuff. He missed the dinner bell. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he's like, I found this creature in a crate and stuff. And, you know, obviously she doesn't believe him and just thinks it's his imagination, sends him up to his room. Um, and when he gets, opens the door and walks into his room, Munchie, uh, in his, you know, trademark leather jacket outfit is sitting in the bed. No. Um, again, Munchie to describe him, he's, he's very short, you know, like, a you know, like the height of a goblin pointy ears, you know, Caucasian flesh tone, but like a goblin, kind of a bat goblin. Right, right. But, you know, no hair except for the little, you know, human-esque head of hair. And he's got like a little black kind of pushed in nose. Um, very creepy eyes, though. And, you know, he's very twitchy the way he moves. It's very much, you know, puppeteered animatronic thing. But Munchie's sitting in the room, you know, on Gage's bed. And he's like, you know, where, you know, Gage is like, well, how'd you get here? And Munchie's like, hey, you know, I needed a place to stay. And, you know, I thought I could bunk with you. And so, so you know. So the crate wasn't good enough for him. Who knows? It's like Munchie was trapped inside of the crate, apparently. Oh, but it had an elevator and sparklers in it. How well, it that be? was once he opened it, you know, Munchie mm. could do his thing. But it's like when the crate's closed, Munchie is without his power. Because we'll see in the scene, Munchie has a host of power is almost infinite uh so you know munchie um basically says like you know thanks for letting me out of that crate kid you know i'll give you anything i want and gage is kind of skeptical and you know wishes for all the things he wants in his life to be better you know the principal not to give him you know more detention and all that the bullies not to you know to win against his bullies to you know like his crush to like him to his mom not to be with elliot the creep uh, all that but um most immediately the mom had brought in uh, a, a plate of cold food a cold dinner for 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 gage to eat of course when she did that munchie suddenly disappeared when she closed the door he was suddenly back um so gage asked for a pizza a pepperoni pizza to which munchie uh you know hops right to and he goes to the window and he you know wiggles his fingers and there's like you know magic effect and like in, in a, then we cut to an Italian restaurant where a chef brings out a pizza to like a table of like a couple on a date and suddenly the pizza like flies in the air and like sh- flies off leading the Italian chef to chase after the pizza wielding like a meat cleaver in his hand shouting nice. running after the pizza down the street where eventually the he runs into cops and is like stopped because he's like frantically running right. down the street you know with a cleaver with a cleaver um anyway though the pizza flies off uh and eventually flies all the way to uh gage's room and lands and they uh him and munchie sit down and eat the pizza 
and they're they're palling around and basically munchie can kind of do anything he wants uh you know he's got these powers he can you know move things with his mind and 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 you know basically his main thing is like kind of teleportation telekinesis kind of like you know impish magic so to speak uh you know he can't do anything i don't you know but he, he he has a fairly you know good set of powers on him um he's got more than i do you know gage lets him sleep there for the night because you know obviously they're kind of pals now uh he munchie sleeps in like the uh one of the dresser drawers and he has little pajamas and a little little uh sleeping cap uh and of course him when he sleeps munchie goes like like exaggerated cartoon character yeah yeah however in the morning when gage wakes up he finds Munchie gone, no sight to be seen of Munchie, and of course Gage thinks, oh great, you know, someone else abandoned me, because, you know, he's got, like, issues because his dad abandoned him, I guess. Um, anyway, when Gage arrives at school, we learn that there's a talent show happening that day, um, and um, the bullies come up, they bully uh, Gage, they basically tell him, you know, uh, you know, leave the, the preppy kid is like, you know, leave the, leave your, leave the crush alone. She's my girl. Um, and basically he's like, me and her are performing a thing at the talent show. And, you know, I found out you were stage manager. So if anything goes wrong, you know, we're going to beat you up. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, Gage walks off and suddenly out of like a locker, uh, Munchie like pops out and starts talking to Gage. And of course he's at school. So Munchie dressed appropriately. He's in like a little Leatherman's like, uh, like cardigan. Nice. <laughs> uh, cause Munchie. He's looking like he's ready to throw some ball. Huh? Yeah. He's got a great, he's got a great fashion sense this Munchie. Um, and, uh, Munchie shows up and he's like, you know, Gage is like, why are you here? How'd you get here? And of course Munchie's like, I'm here. I got to help you. Um, I got to, you know, I'm here to help you out. And, uh, and, uh, I don't remember what brings it up. I think it's something in regards to like hurrying. Cause I think Munchie's like, I got to hurry or something like that. But he references a lingerie sale. He's like, you know, the only two things you hurry in in life are, you know, this and lingerie sales or something. It's really weird, but he makes like an, like an overtly adult reference to lingerie sales. Of course, not the last time Munchie's going to make a weird, like sexual reference. We'll get to an even better one later on. Um, anyway, though, Munchie sneaks into the secretary of the school's office. And let me say it once again, the secretary, also a smoke show. Also, oh, yeah. definitely. She's got a nice tight fitting shirt on. Uh, and uh, not too bad uh, uh, of a bojanga jongs, if you know what I mean. Ooh, a couple of bo- bojanglers. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Munchie, another power he has, he can do like voice imitations. So he imitates the principal so that the secretary goes into the principal office while Munchie gets onto the computer and hacks into the mainframe and changes all of Elliot, uh, not Elliot, Gage's um, grades to A's. Um, meanwhile, the secretary uh, like in the principal's office they start having this like you know she's like i did you call for me and he's like no but you know i'm always happy to have you you know to have a visit from you and they start having this weirdly like erotic like horny conversation where like you figure out that like they're like i thought we said we couldn't do this i know but it feels so good and they like have this like weird like you know 
so wrong, but it feels so oh, right no. thing, which they start having this conversation while Munchie slowly appears behind the principal's desk and presses the talk button on the PA system and begins broadcasting the secretary. <laughs> yes, the, oh, the secretary yeah. and the principal's conversation are like, you're, I, you're so beautiful, smookums, and oh, I love you, I love you, you're my dreamboat and all this. Um, uh, so the whole school is hearing this, of course. All the kids are breaking out laughing, oh, uh, you know, uh, all that. Uh, this is some hijinks. Gage, I love it. Yeah, it's great, great hijinks. Gage kind of just to himself while this is happening in commotion in class. He says, he just talks to himself. He goes, it's got to be munchy. And I thought it's not, but that would have been a great tagline, you know, for the movies. God. It's got to be Munchie, because it is. It's got to be Munchie. No one else but Munchie could do that. No one else has the skills Munchie has. Uh, anyway, the next scene, very bizarrely, is the school, like, locker room, boys' locker room. And Gage is, like, strutting out of the showers uh, and what we can assume is uh, completely nude except for the towel around him. Right, um, you know, just you know, normally strutting around naked except for a towel in, in your school locker room. Uh, but um, the uh, one of the bullies, the jock, comes up behind him, and while he's while Gage is bent over, he does the classic uh, towel whip on Gage's rear end. Oh, nice. Right on the bum, huh? Yeah. To which, um, to help retaliate, Munchie is hiding again in one of the lockers. He pretends to be Gage's voice, and he insinuates um, that the bully's gay. I think he says, like, I thought you only do that to your boyfriend. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, some other things. And when the bully finally, like, charges at Gage because he thinks Gage was saying all that, Munchie opens the locker door, you know, knocking the bully back. And when the bully finally gets up again, Gage delivers the is it is Munchie lets Gage deliver the final punch to knock the bully out. Not only does he knock the bully out, he knocks the bully out into like a laundry cart, which then rolls into the showers and and is under the faucet under the shower heads, um, with the bully knocked out inside the the laundry cart. So he's gonna drown. Well, it's a cloth laundry cart, so I don't think it would fill with water. He could keep water, but what do I did? Maybe. But, Words uh, are hard today, I'll be honest. Literally, literally all of the, after this though, it seems like the locker room has been empty, but then there's like a reverse shot and we see there's been a bunch of other kids in the locker room the whole time. And I don't know if that's intended to be funny or not, but then they all like clap. <laughs> they just all nice. like clap and cheer on Gage. And even the, uh, the coach like comes out of his office and he's like, all right, Gage, I know he's, that bully's been asking for it, but you know. I'm, so I'm not going to write you up, but, you know, don't keep fighting or else I'll t- send you the principal. And then the coach is like, by the way, Gage, you ever thought about trying out for football? You should come on t- Monday. Uh, and and, he, and Gage is like, sorry, I, I don't really have any interest in it. And the coach is like, that's too bad because I think our starter is out for a while. And then it's back in the shower and the bully, like, starts to get out of the uh, – or he, like, sits up in the in – the, um, laundry cart, and he's like, ooh, like he's, you know, just, discom- you know, all He sits out in the it. laundry cart, and uh, there's little birds. commits a war crime. Oh, there's little birds around his head. What? Yeah. Wait, what? I said he sits up in the laundry cart, and then Munchie goes and commits a war crime Munchie, Munchie drops a nuclear bomb on him. Mun- Munchie kills a civilian. <laughs> Munchie. Intentionally. Munchie, Munchie goes after civilians. He, he has then, no qualms. And then the rest of the movie... Is uh, Munchie on trial at the Hague? Yeah, the mu- the the Munchienberg trials instead <laughs> of so the oh Nuremberg trials. Oh my god! Trials. Stop! 
get out. Everyone in the room, they have those little headsets on, and then Munchie's up on the stand in a suit. <laughs> hey, what was I supposed to do? The kid was a real, uh, how do you say it? Jerk. Hey, excuse my French. Oh. Look, all I'm saying is that if you want to get to the enemy, you get to the women and children. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Munchie, uh, Munchie, it's like, Munchie, you dropped a nuclear bomb on innocent civilians. He says, hey, whoa. What, what was I supposed to do? Uh, raise the white flag and ask him to be nice? Hey! <laughs> anyway. Um, so that happens. So now next thing, uh, the preppy bully and the crush. This is at the talent show. Gage, of course, backstage kind of like, you know, raising the curtain and stuff like that. Um, the bully and the crush are there and they're per- about to perform Romeo and Juliet balcony scene. Um, for the talent show. And so the, um, the, the, the bully starts to, you know, go into his monologue and Munchie starts to wreck the, uh, the performance in the best possible way where he is making things literally happen that the Romeo monologue says. So when, when the bully says, you know, what light through yonder window breaks? Munchie like has a lamp like crash through a window like on the oh set. Oh my god! Literally a light breaking yeah. through the window. And then, um, you know, when the when the bullies like says the like kill this envious moon for the sun line, the like moon prop in the back like crashes down. Um, Jesus. And then for the for then he throws like a banana. <laughs> Munchie throws a banana peel on the ground, and the bully slips as he's like walking forward. And then how many how many uses of slide whistle are in this movie? I didn't write it down, but I, I recall a lot. Uh, it's quite like when he throws the banana peel. Is it like Whoop? probably? And then someone slips, and then like woo. I don't remember, but I I'm gonna say it's a it's a safe bet to say yes. Um. Anyway, though, Munchie. Uh, <laughs> um, Munchie for his final thing. Uh, uses his magic to make the um bully's pants fall down. Um, in front of the entire school audience. Um, so we can add, um, like trying to indecent expose, indecent exposure of a minor to Munchie's crimes. God, Munchie's just really racking them up. Um, so, you know, the principal is like, close the curtain, close the curtain. This is over. And the principal, even though he doesn't have proof, he's like, I know you're responsible for this gauge and I'll, if I can ever prove it, I'm going to suspend you and stuff like that. Um, and so Gage is kind of like mad at Munchie. He's like, you know, why, you know, everything you're doing to try to help me, it's just making everything worse. Even though like, okay, the principal thinks it's you, but he doesn't have any proof and he can't do anything and he's not doing anything because he doesn't have proof. So like, I don't see what the issue is really. I mean, he doesn't like you. The principal doesn't like you more, but like you got away with everything. Munchie, you know, hooked you up. So yeah, Munchie stop, really sent you stop being a little bitch, you. Gage. Um... So Gage needs to stop being such a narc. Yeah, so Gage is kind of like upset and like leaves without Munchie. Um, he even like we we cut and he's like dragging the crate from the mine to the professor's house, and you know he comes in and he's like, Professor, can can you look at this thing? Um, does it mean anything? And the professor like sees the crate and he's like, Oh my God, stay right there! And he runs and grabs a book and he's like, The thing inside the crate you're talking about, did he look like this? And it's like a picture of like Egyptian hieroglyphs and Munchie is like next to the pharaoh. And then he flips, <laughs> then he flips some pages and it's like a picture of Buddha and Munchie is next to like the the drawing of Buddha. And 
then he turned then then on more pages and it's like a cave painting and munchie is like on the cave painting okay i know this is supposed to be like a shitty movie but i really want to see this now like this sounds very entertaining um oh it is don't don't get me wrong and we'll get into my opinions after we finish but yeah don't feel ashamed uh so yeah apparently like um you know <laughs> apparently um what is that Oh yeah, I'll get I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, apparently like Munchie is like some sort of like the the professor hints at Munchie being some sort of like ancient like creature throughout history that has like, you know, visited and like aided like helped mankind <laughs> and like so and now he's just dicking around. Now he's just dicking around. So like the professor really wants to meet Munchie as well. So that's set up. Um meanwhile though, um Gage heads home. Um and let me say, okay, Austin Dude, Tell and me. she's in this the rest of the movie. Oh, no. Gage's mom is in this fucking tight black dress, and her cleavage is like full on, like, like, like it is like almost like they they're like drawing attention to it at this point. And literally, they know what they're doing. the little kid actor who plays Gage, he's like you can tell he's like constantly like trying not to be distracted by it while he's like doing his scenes with her. And it's, like, slightly uncomfortable because you can, like, tell that he's, like, keeps, like, looking at them. Uh, like, it's supposed to be his mom, but, Yeah. Like... It, I mean, I don't blame him because she looks great in this outfit for the rest of the movie. Anyway, though, uh, the uh, shitty boyfriend shows up. He's there to hopefully propose that night. Um, the mom has been cooking a meal and they're going to have a meal. But the boyfriend ends up being, you know, make get engaged to go upstairs um, you know, rather than be downstairs with him so that the, the boyfriend can get the mom alone. However, of course, of course, despite Gage going upstairs, Munchie in, in a little like military uniform, cause I guess he's doing like sabotage here. He's uh Munchie is there. <laughs> Does he look like the general from the general auto insurance? No, he's like, he's like, like less cartoony than that. He's in like literally like miniature military fatigues. It's this. like I don't. I guess they special made that for him. Munch, Munchie is very likable. I'll be honest. He's got a lot of costumes. I'll tell you that. Um, but uh, so first off, while the um, you know the boy the mom goes into the kitchen to get stuff ready, the boyfriend sets down his champagne bottle while he f- turns on the radio. Munchie shakes the champagne bottle up, and then as the boyfriend turns lights a candle and turns down the lights, Munchie changes like the like romantic music to. Um, John Philip Sousa March, uh, Stars and Stripes Forever. Um, so then the boyfriend goes back across the room to change the radio back. Munchie turns the lights back on, you know, the dim lights back up. Uh, I love this. The boyfriend goes to turn the lights back off, or dim again, and Munchie changes the radio again. Uh, finally, the boyfriend just turns the radio off because the mom's like, oh, I didn't know you like Sousa. And the boyfriend's like... <laughs> Yeah, the boyfriend's like, I don't. Because I'm a big Sousa fan. And he's like, I don't. Your thing must have... Uh, he says, um, "He says, uh, I don't... Uh, that's why I'm turning it off. Your your, your uh, stereo must have a broken tuner. And Munchie, like, to the audience, basically, or to himself, is like, that's not the only thing that's going to get turned off tonight. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's a line in this children's film. No! Uh, we also see Munchie... Um, steal the wallet from like levitate and steal the wallet out of uh the boyfriend's suit jacket which remember that because that'll come back later that's a that's a setup payoff puts it back i wish that would have been a good one but he does something else um 
uh, he does something a little more munchy, if you know what I mean. Uh, oh, will he? But at this point, we find out the the boyfriend's like, I remember when you walk when you first got here, and I first saw you when you walked into my office at the university two months ago. So apparently, they've only been dating for two months, and this man's getting ready to propose. So like, I'm starting. Yeah, thing. like there's some definite red flags. You know, not only with how he's treating Gage, but it's been two months only. Um, but, uh, he's like, he starts to sit down at the table and Munchie pulls like the chair out from under him and he falls down. Of nice. course, when, uh, he gets back up and opens the champagne, of course, Munchie shook it up. So he gets sprayed in the face with champagne. Oh, I love that. And then Munchie lights a match and like wedges it in like, like sticks a match in the, on the guy's shoe. And so he's like talking to the mom and you can tell that he's like getting ready to like try and propose. And then he realizes his foot's on fire and like jumps up and freaks out and like stomps the fire out on his foot. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so like, you know, now the stepdad's like super frustrated and upset and he's like, I gauge comes downstairs. He's like, I heard a bunch of noises. Everything. Okay. And the, the, uh, I, the boyfriend is like, um, I know you're responsible for this. I know you caused this somehow. And he's like freaking out. And the mom is like, Hey, he was upstairs. Why are you yelling at him? That's not your, I'm his mother. You don't get to yell at him like that. Um, and so like, you know, basically, you know, Munchie helped make the, uh, the boyfriend sound like crazy and kind of reveal his shittiness. Basically gaslighting him. Basically. But it's for a good cause. It's gaslighting for a cause, Austin. (laughs) That's my charity. (laughs) Oh my god! Like gaslight for a cause. Sponsored by Midwest Emo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, though, the mom. So because like the the boyfriend's kind of upset, and he's like, you know what? Let's do your dinner some other time. Let's go out. Let's go out and eat. Uh. You know, just so we can be together, the two of us. Um. And so the mom kind of reluctantly agrees, and is like, Gage will be okay if you stay here for a while. And he's like, Yeah, I guess so. And so they leave. Um. Gage, Gage, you know, he's, he's like happy that, you know, his mom, you know, cause Munchie's like, I doubt she's gonna, she's gonna say yes if he proposes. And, you know, Gage is like, you're right, but I think you just go too far, Munchie. So, you know, Gage is a little, you know, like pussy centrist. Little chicken shit. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, then Munchie's like, Hey, let's throw a party, kid. You deserve a party. Let's have a party. We can invite your crush. Uh, and Gage is like, no, no parties, not don't have a party and he goes upstairs in his room to do homework or whatever and munchie's like Heh. he's like uh i don't remember what he says but he's like basically like gonna have a party so then we see munchie imitate gage's voice and he invites um he invites uh the crush and then he t- uses the the boyfriend's voice and he's like hey i got on short notice having a party can you hook me up with a full package uh and I, it's like beer like alcohol <laughs> and food um nice. and then then he changes his voice and does like a jack nicholson voice and he's like hey it's jack i'm having a party uh, can you can you send some people here i'm i'm at this address and get a band too and so uh next thing you know the ho- Gage comes downstairs and the house is like filled with people, mostly like adults, not children, like full aged adults, including like, l- again, it, uh, as par for the course of this movie, lots of hot, attractive women <laughs> uh, at this party of mostly adults in this kid's house that Munchie has thrown. And there's like a band playing and there's like people with drinks. There's a there's like a full keg. There's like a literal keg. Uh, so Gage. Oh, yeah. 
Gage comes downstairs and like, what's going on? What the heck? Uh, the principal is at the party along with the secretary. Nice. And the principal literally comes up to Gage and he's like, oh, Gage, I'm surprised to see you here. And Gage is like, this is my house. And the principal's like, really? Well, great party. And you know what? I'm sorry about being so mean to you. You can forget about the detentions and all that. And oh, so yeah. <laughs> that's so the the, the that's how that works. The principal's like, you're pretty cool, actually. Thanks for throwing the party. Hey, maybe uh, you're not a fucking cop. You're not a you're not a you're not a little narc. So you're we're we're cool. Um, meanwhile, uh, we see um, uh, like Munchie's like hanging around the party. He literally like steals a beer from a guy like when he sets it down and drinks the beer. So like we see Munchie like explicitly drinking alcohol, uh, in this children's movie again. Um. The crush shows up, but not just the crush. She shows up with her dad and she shows up and is like, hi, she gets there and she's like, hi, Gage. And he's like, he's like, oh, hi. And she's like, oh, this is my dad. And Gage is like, oh, hi. And so like the dad is just like with her for some reason. And it's never particularly, it's kind of explained, but not really. Uh, anyway, um, meanwhile, at the date with the mom and the boyfriend, the mom basically is, like, turning the boyfriend down. The boyfriend gets all, you know, pissed, and he's like, you know how many women would love to be in your position right now? And she's like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to marry you. Sorry. Uh, and the she's like, you know what, I'll pay. And Elliot's like, no, 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 I always pay when I take a woman out. But, of course, he goes to search for his wallet, and Munchie stole the wallet, and so he has to embarrassingly let the mom pay. <laughs> mm um meanwhile at the party of course munchies again he's he's like in the bathroom and it's implied he's like throwing up from booze um and then uh gage and the crush go outside and are like sitting on the swings and they're talking we found out the crush has like her, her mom is dead which i guess that's why the dad's at the party but still like weird if like you're like a kid invited another kid to a party that like their dad would just come uh i guess but yeah. um Meanwhile, the professor runs up from across the street and he's excited because he's gotten his um, he's gotten his uh, grant for his big like world spanning trip or whatever. Uh, and so he comes into the party. He like the next scene, like the professor's standing there and he's like, you know, old kooky professor. And he literally has like two hot women like on each arm and they're both like, you know, like hitting on him and stuff. So he's like immediately like crushing puss as soon as he gets in there. The professor. What a bad bitch. However, though, the mom, the of course. is having a hot girl summer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. However, though, the mom and the boyfriend, they get home because, you know, they didn't stay at their dinner long because the mom turned him down. And, of course, the mom comes home during the party and, you know, she's upset. Um, she, she, you know, orders everyone out. Um, mean, and then, you know, we cut everyone's left. Of course, there's a big mess left behind and she's like, congratulations, um, Gage, you've just earned the privilege to clean all of this up by yourself. Nice. Um, but then, then the, uh, the, um, boyfriend with like a, I think it was like a tennis racket or some sort of like wooden tennis racket shaped object. The boyfriend is like, there's only one way to punish a child when they do something like this. Um, and we know why this happened. You've turned him into a mama's boy or something worse, which I, I, I mean? think they mean like gay, which like, yeah, having like a party mm. with like full, like adult women and like your crush and booze, like 
by 90s standards, that's like the opposite of like what you would get made fun of and called gay for. So I don't know where the, the, the guy, I, I assume that's what he means by or something worse. Cause like mama's boy and like gay is usually like the, like, you know, stereotype, right. but like, I don't know where that was going. It's again, it's another like really like weird line. Um, however, the mom stands up for, for gauge and is like, no, I'd like you to leave Elliot. You know, I don't want anyone talking to my son like that. Uh, and but however though Munchie says something from like behind the couch or he burps or something and that leads the boyfriend Elliot to discover Munchie behind the couch and suddenly going back to the whole thing about the boyfriend being like a doctor who like kills animals uh he's like suddenly like freaks out and is like oh I have to take this and he shoves Munchie in a trash bag and he's like I'm gonna take this I gotta take this back for research I'm gonna you know he's gonna make me rich however of course um you know they they chase him around the room because they don't want him to take Munchie. Um, and like the pr professor and mom who haven't even like really met Munchie and the crush and her dad are like immediately all on board and they like help stop the boyfriend from running out with Munchie specifically the, the crush like takes the hose of the keg and sprays beer like in on the, uh, on the, on the boyfriend so that he like drops the bag gauge and the professor run off with Munchie, the, uh, the, the boyfriend like chasing after them the boyfriend gets outside and he's like, where did they go? And suddenly out of the garage of the professor's house, the Jeep, like they drive the Jeep through the garage door and off down the street. The boyfriend jumps in his car and follows in pursuit. The mom and the crush dad, the mom and the crush and her dad all get in the dad's car and follow after Elliot. Um, meanwhile, while this car chase is happening, um, munchie in the car uh like the doctor's like oh I, I we can go to the airport i i leave for my trip tomorrow and we can hide out there until i leave um tomorrow morning and munchie's like where are you going doc and he's like oh i'm going to explore this lost city of whatever you know it's a lost civilization that no one knows what happened to it and munchie <laughs> and munchie's like oh yeah i remember those guys we had a wild party that night implying that munchie is like if not the cause of a reason of a civilization like being destroyed at least like there when it happened <laughs> um leading in to by far the strangest most uncomfortable line in this children's film that's never explained while they're in this car chase you know being chased by elliot driving around munchie to the professor because he's sitting in the middle of the jeep uh, you know seat on the jeep seat munchie to the professor says i hope you got a ding dong or a twinkie in your pocket and the professor's like um what's a twinkie and munchie says oh no can you let me out at the next 7-eleven like implying that the professor has a boner or a huge dick and that munchie munchie either sees or feels it <laughs> like what what <sighs> and that, that makes him uncomfortable and he wants to be let out of the car but like in a joking Munchie's way he's got some like toxic masculinity he needs to work through yeah, uh, very, very, uh, strange. Um, also Munchie implies cause, uh, you know, the, the, apparently the professor, he's kind of like crashing into stuff. Munchie's like, here, let me drive. And they're like, you know how to drive? And Munchie's like, oh, I invented the automobile. Uh, of course I know how to drive. Also, I forgot to mention this earlier. Munchie implies that he actually wrote all of Shakespeare's plays back during the Shakespeare scene. Uh, so, uh, he wrote Shakespeare, also invented the automobile, according to this. So Munchie's driving the Jeep, 
Elliot's driving after them. Uh, they swerve past an ATM. Elliot crashes into the ATM, like fully knocking the ATM down and like just cash flies and flies into the air everywhere. And this homeless guy on like the curb next to the ATM, like runs up and starts collecting the money. He's like, yo boy. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, they, uh, they, um, Munchie, you know, they're like, oh, I wish we could fly. We can't lose him. And Munchie's like, oh, why didn't you say so? Um, and so Munchie makes, a la E.T., makes the Jeep fly. And they fly up into the air. And um, Elliot, try, the boyfriend, trying to chase them, you know, as they fly away, he crashes into a donut shop. Like, it's a, it's, they did like a, they like did a full on, like, you know, I don't, I guess it, maybe they were tearing down the building or what, but like a fully dressed, like, real looking donut shop full car crash like straight into the donut display uh which is great it's a good it's a good uh car crash um and of course there are like literally two cops sitting in the donut shop and so they immediately like go up to go up to elliot as he stumbles out of his car crashed into the donut shop and are like sir have you been drinking tonight and of course elliot sounds crazy because he's like there's a flying jeep and a and a little creature that talks and all this um and so they arrest him um And as he's being arrested, they, uh, the, the Jeep, you know, Munchie can't make it fly for any longer because it's too much, too, too heavy and stuff. So they, you know, he puts it down. Then the Jeep with the professor driving literally like drives by the cops as they're arresting, um, Elliot. And he's like, everything all right, officer? <laughs> and like, just to like that final fuck you to the boyfriend. Um, oh, fuck yeah. we, we cut to the next morning and they're in the airport and the professor and Munchie are all ready to go because apparently Munchie's going along with the professor on his trip to the lost civilization because Elliot thinks that it would be safer um, for Munchie to go with the professor and not be there because, you know, who knows when the boyfriend gets out if he'll try to come after him or whatever. So, you know, they're saying their goodbyes. You know, the Munchie hops inside the, the crate on the trolley, on, you know, the luggage trolley that the professor has, and they say goodbye to each other. Um, over the loudspeaker, there's like a nice subtle joke where the, where like the loudspeaker person is like flight 17 leaving for the lost city of whatever is leaving now. (laughs) So like the flight is literally like going directly to this lost city. Um, it feels like a very like airplane joke. Yeah. I, I thought so too. Like that was a fun little joke. Uh, and as they're like walking into the, like the, um, you know, the boarding gate or whatever. The professor to Munchie, who's, like, talking from inside the crate, he's like, be quiet, Munchie, someone might hear you. And please, no more Aztec fishing songs. <laughs> um, and so, you know, they leave, and you think it's the end, and, you know, the the crush and and the and her dad and and Gage and his mom are standing there smiling happy when suddenly like a, a pilot and his flight crew like rush up to like the boarding um, desk and they're like, we got to get on that plane. We're the, we're the flight crew. And she, and the lady's like, uh, are you sure? If so, then who's flying that plane? And then they look out the window and of course, um, Munchie and the professor are in the cockpit of the plane Wait, and flying does Munchie it. Wink at the camera. I mean, he gives like a thumbs up or something. I don't remember. Yeah. He might wink. Oh, um, good. and of course, you know, the plane takes off the implications that like, I, I was just thinking like how tonally different it would be. Like of the implications of a pilot running up and being like, I'm supposed to be flying that plane and then, but it's out on the runway. Who's flying the plane then? Like that could be like a serious, like threat issue, but like here it's played for laughs because Munchie and the professor are flying the plane. Right. Plus this is before 9-11. Yeah. And, um, you know, the plane takes off and Munchie on the loudspeaker of the plane, we hear him is like, 
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for flying Trans Munchie Airlines, uh, which uh, does confirm that Munchie is trans. Right. Uh, and, that, tell. and that's the end of Munchie. Oh, Munchie sounds like the best movie we've talked about. So, Austin, what do you think of Munchie? Oh, it seems like genuinely the best movie I've ever heard of. It's honestly, okay, I went in with really low expectations of like, or like, you know, thinking it might be like so bad it's good, which it does have some elements of that, certainly. But like, it also has some legitimately like funny little like visual gags and and jokes. And besides all of that, the like weird stuff that like kind of is bad or like weird unexplainable like the fact that like all the women in the film are extremely hot uh munchies multiple like references to like adults things and material and sex and weird shit uh you know there being like a car chase uh you know it's like it's very much like an 80s 90s like kids movie where they got away with that kind of stuff and it's very much you know like a gremlins or an et where it's kind of you know got that little you know tongue-in-cheek you know adult humor to it um, more in Gremlins than E.T., but, you know, it's kind of like E.T., and it's, you know, they're being chased and all that. But, yeah, Munchie the puppet, very terrifying, but over the course of the movie, it kind of becomes endearingly terrifying, kind of like Hamoti, um, where he's, like, kind of lovably horrific. Uh, but, yeah, Munchie, uh, you know what? I gotta say, Austin, I was pleasantly surprised. I definitely liked it a lot in terms of, like, the quote-unquote bad movies we've watched i've watched for this show it's definitely up there as most one of the most entertaining and it's also like an hour and 20 minutes so it's like nice tight like short run time you know that's not doesn't drag it's very entertaining uh so yeah i'd recommend it oh yeah i'm gonna watch that it's on youtube uh if you just type in munchie movie yeah you can find it on youtube that's how i watched it in austin i have a special thing i must tell you oh really there is a munchie too there is but munchie a sequel well uh, yes but specifically this munchie little bat creature who does magic munchie there is munchie strikes back oh my god which i guarantee you i i promise you now i'm not sure when but we will eventually get to it and do an episode on munchie strikes back because i had such a good experience with this first one that i just i have to watch it i have to see what happens next in the munchie saga because i want to write munchie three i wanted to write munchie two but then i saw there was a munchie two so you know i gotta watch that one so i know what to pitch for munchie three yeah we gotta we got a lot of things we gotta pitch but uh i want to point out though one thing i don't I, I thought it was weird. They never explain who the guy was in the beginning who, like, throws Munchie into the bottomless pit. Like, I'm assuming, like, I guess there's a possibility that could be the one thing that connects it to Munchies, the movie Maybe. that it supposedly has nothing to do with. But, yeah. like, I read the plot synopsis for Munchies, 
And, like, it's a completely different, like, creature and all this other stuff. And it doesn't seem to connect at all. So I feel like that's not where that comes from. So, like, if so, there's just, like, this weird non-sequitur opening with this guy being chased by the police and then throwing Munchie into a pit that, like, is never explained whatsoever. I like that element of uh, mystery. I guess so. Maybe maybe that can, maybe that comes back in Munchie Strikes Back, and if not, maybe that's what we we could do a prequel in uh, in our in our three, third Munchie movie, if we decide to do it. Yeah, we can write a prequel. Yeah. So Munchie, highly recommend it. Before we go, Austin, I did want to on this topic of Munchie, uh, I have noticed a theme with four of the films, or not films necessarily, but four of the pieces we've watched for this show we kind of have a a mini theme running through some of our episodes of movies or media featuring you know puppeteered characters Mm -hmm, some mm -hmm. of which are terrifying looking yeah and so i wanted to ask you uh to out of our four characters we've talked about that kind of are in this category of a puppeteered creature hamoti Puchinski, Munchie, and Hooter. Oh, man. Out of those four, I want you to rank them from favorite to... From best to least. I have mine. Do you want me to go first? No, while no, you I'm think? Ready. I'm ready, I'm ready. Okay, go ahead. Hooter's number one. He's the best. Fair. Understand. Uh, second is uh, Munchie. Gotcha. Third is Puchinski. Okay. Leaving Hamoti is number four. Okay. That's a, it's a fair uh, ranking, Austin. And, and I, that's just because I'm homophobic. That's because you're, bla- you're a raging homophobe. So, yep. you know, I understand. Uh, I, I, I understand your ranking at that point. Um, I, I have to say you're only you're one ranking different than how I ranked it. Oh, really? I will tell you... At my number one spot, probably a surprise to no one, not a surprise to you, Hooter. Hooter, yeah. I, I literally own a figurine of Hooter I bought off eBay because I liked him so much. Uh, he's great. He's flawless. He's lovable. He looks like that elephant keyboardist in Star Wars. He's Yeah, and he's by far, out of all these characters, like the best look. He's like not yeah, terrifying yeah. looking. He actually is like nice looking, like, you know, character design-wise and not terrifying. Um, next... Also, much like you, I have Munchie. Yes. Because though he is a little terrifying looking, you get used to it, all right? He's endearing. He's like when people see me for the first time, they're a little terrified, but then they get used to it. They're a little shocked. And, you know, he, he says some weird, you know, questionable stuff sometimes, but overall he's like a party cool guy and he helps Elliot out. He doesn't even want anything. He's just like, yeah, I'll grant you these wishes. I'll help you out. Whatever. I just like being out of that damn box. So he's a cool guy, Munchie number two. Uh, where I differ from you because I'm not a homophobe, I have at number three, Hamoti, because yeah, though yeah. he is terrifying, and though I couldn't understand what he was saying for the majority of the film that I watched with him, I related to him on an emotional level with his uh, loneliness and, uh, and and struggle to find love in the galaxy. Yeah, that's fair. And then fourth, because fuck cops, uh, Puchinski. I just thought Puchinski was hilarious looking. I mean, he does fart a lot, and that's funny, no doubt. And he is funny looking. Uh, Puchinski and Munchie, a lot in common in terms of the humor. Though I feel Munchie's, Munchie's is a little is a little more elevated. Munchie's a little better. Uh, higher quality. I don't know that needs to. Yeah, Puchinski, uh, 
little less quality. And of course that dog is terrifying looking. Um, so coming in at number four, Puchinski, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's an honorable number four. It's definitely not, you know, not to say that it it's is not, lack. it's not from a lack of trying. No, it's a, he can be proud of that ranking. Um, so yeah, I hope we watch more. We will, I guarantee you, we will watch more movies that feature creatures and puppets uh, doing magic and saying things and being iconic, much like Munchie, a Hooter, etc. Austin, Peyton. it's a long one today, but I feel like it's been a good one. A lot of good conversation. I think, so too. I think the energy's been good. A lot of good Munchie. 10 out of 10. I've I do want to bring up, time. real quick before we go, I remember seeing a review of munchie on letterbox that i wanted to read just some of because the phrasing on it was like i just enjoyed the the way it was phrased uh so much that let me let me find it um let's see also on letterbox they like have like most popular reviews and of the first page of like popular reviews there's like you know around maybe 10 to 15 reviews Mm -hmm. the first the, the first four out of the first uh, – three out of the first four are from one guy who's rated it multiple times. Um, one wow. of which I'll read part of that I really appreciate. This comes from Bilal underscore Cab- Carboni, and he says, Nice. The Munchie Man is a magical marvel. Munchie saves me from my hangover. Munchie doesn't judge me. Munchie provides exactly what I need after a late night of watching trashy films. He provides me with an abundance of childish trash, childish adult trash. Dude gets me. Dude can spin a pizza and zip it through the air. Send one of those pizzas straight to my mouth, Munchie. No anchovies, my dude. That was and like it, slam poetry. And it goes on, like. but yeah, I, I love the uh, I love the way he he, he writes it. Um, in another part of it, not that one, but, um, in another one, he goes, uh, man, is that one fat, clumsy and dopey munchie? Why does he look like that? And why does he talk like that? Isn't this a children's film? Why is munchie so frightening? Get him away from me. Why do his eyes do that? Where is he actually looking? Who let this thing close to children? Why does he look like 1983 broke down Chuck E. Cheese robot? Ah, <laughs> So thank you, Mr. Bilal underscore Carboni, for Shout those out. great munchy reviews. And for being the biggest fan of the show. Definitely. Anyway, I think that wraps it up for today. Again, a long one, so. but a good That's one. A nice little bow on it. I hope all of you out there enjoyed Munchie. I encourage you to check it out, Austin. Hope I'm glad you enjoyed it. And again, I encourage you to check it out. And do not fret, because we will eventually get to Munchie Strikes Back and the Munchie further adventures of Munchie. Munchie too, Munchie in Quebec. I'd love it if it were. Munchie speaks French. Uh, but that's all for today. Austin, any departing words for our friends? Uh, philanthropist. Good. Uh, I'll tell you this, that uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for munching. Thanks for, thank you, Munchie. Uh, and I'll leave you with this. Sandwich. I want the cold Mexican beer. I want a $10,000 a night of soccer. I want rum service. <laughs> I want my shirts laundered.